the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, here representing you on uh, 980 The Mission. Uh, Coming to finish our conversation, we started with the need for godly men. Uh, just in, in summation and, and going back over it, you know, I, I look at my life and I look back at my life as a little shorty and, and growing up in the growing up in the neighborhood and and uh, my mom and dad got divorced at a um, when I was uh, probably about my dad left home when I was about six. The divorce became final at eight, and uh, he wasn't around. But the the difference being, you know, you had single parent homes back then, and you know, it wasn't all that lovely. Uh, that, that we like to imagine it was sometimes, but but what happened was is that my uncles and my cousins stepped in where my my dad wasn't, and so and my mom was willing to call upon her brothers and her brothers in laws and her nephews to help her uh, shape us and mold us into into men, but the thing that was missing was the God factor. Uh, my my mother put us in Catholic school, not for religious reasons, but for because they had the better education. Uh, you know, Catholics just do urban education well. And uh, but being there, we had to go through all the things and get there, and we had to understand what life was. And the priest made such an impression, and the nuns made such an impression upon me that I decided to become Catholic, even though my family was uh, traditionally. Baptist, you know, and raising, and, and so when my mother asked me at age seven, why would, why would I want to become Catholic as opposed to Baptist? I said because they give up something for Jesus, y'all don't, and meaning that the nuns and the priests took a vow of poverty, and they took a, they they took a vow of not marrying, you know, and even at seven years old, I knew how important money and sex was. So if they could give up money and sex. And, and stay here and teach me and, and coach me, then, you know, at least I can do is accept their Christ or their Savior. And so that's what I did. But just like most Catholics, it wasn't challenging, wasn't really biblical, you know, and, uh, and I get upset sometimes even now in our so-called evangelical Protestant circles where we uh, teach our children just like uh, the Catholics taught me with little colorful handouts and, and, uh, and puppets and not much, you know, diving into the word of God or, or understanding what our biblical role is, you know, it just, and, uh, and that's what we did. And, and after a while, when I got about 12 or 13, I floated away from church because the streets was more exciting, you know, and it wasn't the fact that my mother ran an iron hand. Everybody was scared of my mom, 
You know, I mean, I they wouldn't even let me do certain things because they knew my mom would beat me and beat them. So uh, that that wasn't an issue. It was me, my desire to be out there and to, to do certain things. I kept my grades up. Oh, my goodness. If my grades ever dipped. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My grades ever dipped, man. If I didn't get an A, if I got a B, my mom would say, hey, could he have gotten an A? And if that nun would say, yeah, he could have gotten an A, he's playing. Then I had to lay across the bed, get beat, be on punishment. C, automatic beat. You know what I mean? I, just, I never got under a C. I, I, matter of fact, I never got under A. You know what I mean? I, I, I see my brother get a C. <laughs> I see him, my little brother get a C. You know, he got kicked out of Catholic school. I see him go that right. But me, not me. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it wasn't there. My mother was serious about education, you know, because she came through, she came up through the South and, and she was denied her opportunity to go to to college because her teacher who was processing her college paperwork decided he wanted to vote. And because he voted, they found him dead in the ditch the next day. Uh, you know, the Ku Klux Klan had killed him. And so my mom just said, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm leaving Mississippi. And she left. Cause she didn't want to wait a whole semester to get into college. And she went to Chicago and I uh, started working, got married and I uh, changed her whole life. So she was a stickler for education for us that, you know, that we would, that we would, uh, that we would use our minds and not our body when it got there. Now I say that to give you a back scope of is that, that my definition of manhood prior to, to, uh, you know, coming to Christ was, just what probably everybody else's was, you know, the John Wayne type of guy that can, you know, I, I can fight, I can hold my own, you know what I mean? I could, uh, I could go to the club, I could dance, I can, I can entertain the ladies, I could do whatever, you know what I mean? But then when I came into the kingdom, you know, I got a little bit nervous and I, and I realized what, what is a godly man? You know what I mean? And I think a lot of guys struggle with that. You know, I think Ed Cole, uh, says it best when he says that manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous. I mean, they're one and the same. You know what I mean? If, 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 if you're not molding your life, if you're not trying to mold your life and, and come to conform to the image of Christ, you know what I mean? Then you, you're never going to be the man that God has called you to be. In Genesis 1, it says this, let us make man in our own image, right? And man was made in the image of God. And so therefore, you know, man will never complete his purpose or destiny as long as he runs away from that image, as long as he runs away from 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 that godlike character. You know, what I mean, that is yay is yay and his nay is nay. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus was a compassionate soul, loving soul, but he was firm. You know, what I mean, you know, you know, Jesus, Jesus, could, he could he could he, he could he could throw down. You know, what I mean, he could he could he could whoop some heads, knock some heads and, and people wouldn't go say nothing. Even cats with swords. He didn't even have a sword. And this cats with swords who wouldn't move on him when he when he when he made a move. And so it, it's like, you know, it's, it's a whole big difference in world when it comes to that level of manhood to being able to protect yourself or to protect others or to be an aggressor or be a warrior. You know, uh, Stu Weber says that in the four pillars of manhood it's it's, it's warrior, priest, friend and I stuttered. <laughs> you know, you got the four pillars of manhood and one of them is warrior. And so Jesus was a warrior. He could war, you know, and, and you get in it. But you, what you have to understand is that a godly man 
he is he is motivated by what God has called him to do. He is not motivated by what the world has called him to do or what his flesh is calling him to do. You know, and that's the thing that stands unique and stands firm. When we look at Genesis again, we look at, uh, you know, Cain and Abel and the sacrifices. Right. You know, one was acceptable. One wasn't acceptable. You know, one felt like, hey, I gave you what I deemed was best. And the other one said, I gave you what you said was the best. So one 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 did the best in his own eyes, but the other one did the best in the eyes of God. A godly man reflects the nature and character of God when he comes to see, you know, he, he doesn't look to please himself. He looks to make sure that he pleases the one who called and sent him. You know what I mean? And that's the, and that's, that's the God almighty. You know what I mean? And so when you look at it, what we need, what our communities need, you know, we need to see godly men. We need men that protect their homes. We need men that are the priests of their homes. You know, they're not depending on their wife to pray or to go to church or to handle everything or uh, make all the decisions or that stuff like that. But, but, you know, they're there right in the mix with them, you know, just doing things. If they split duties, okay, they split duties and everything like that. You have some things that people are good at and they're not good at. I know in my household, just my wife does some things that, that I can do, but she doesn't better. You know what I mean? And, and that's just, that's just how it is. You know what I mean? When we get, we get together and we do some things. I, I know when we first got married, uh, you know, she don't listen to my program, so I can snitch. Uh, my wife couldn't cook, you know what I mean? So I cook six days a week. <laughs> and, you know, but I don't cook six days a week no more, you know what I mean? Because now she, she learned how to cook and do the course of time and, and we shared. And, and, uh, and so she got some nice meals that her sons like. And, you know, and, and now that, that, uh, you know, due, due to, due to my situation with my, my kidney failure, and I'm home most, I cook most of the night. I cook four out of seven nights a week, and the kids cook the other nights to give her a break because since she's out there, uh, she's out there making the money, we give her a break, and we go that route. But in the course of time, I, I don't feel uh, any problem in, in in cooking that meal or looking out for her or doing some things for her because, one, one, because I love her, but the other one is because as the man of the house, I'm going to make sure that my family's okay. I'm going to make sure that they're okay. I, and I, if, if that means I have to cook, if that means I have to uh, work two jobs, whatever it means I have to do, it's, it's going to be done. You know, and not because I love my kids so much and I love my family so much, but I do it because I love God. I love God. And those are his children. You know what I mean? My my wife is God's child. My children are God's children. And so my my relationship and commitment to God allows me to perform and do my best for them. You know what I mean? And so, so it, it's, it's one of those things where that, that my, my, in him, I live and in him, I move and in him, I have my being. And, and I don't try to live my life through my wife. I'm trying to live my life through my kids. I live my life through the word of God and, and, and his Holy spirit. That's just where it comes down to. So when you're looking at that, God, God chose man and God breathed his breath into man. Right. So here's the breath of God that comes into man. Right. We, we have the, we have the breath of God in us. God has inspired us. He's he's equipped us. And a lot of times we 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 walk around as if we don't really have access to certain things. You know, what I mean, the scriptures tell us that, you know, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So not only do we have the breath of God in us, we had a mind of Christ in us. We had a mind of God in us at our disposal. And a lot of times we walk around not knowing what to do, not knowing how to react, not knowing what to say, not because we really don't know because we really don't trust what God has already placed inside of us. We really don't trust it. You know what I mean? All of us are not equipped to do certain things. 
you know, not be, be the intellectual right encyclopedias or something like that. That's what I'm saying. You know, you got to go with your purpose, what God is giving you and, and not trying to be like somebody else. You know, I had to tell somebody the other day, I said, it's not trying to be like what the world says you should be, but it's being what the word says you should be. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 it's the word in the world, you know, just one letter difference. And you got to you got to understand what that is. And so a lot of times, you know, I look around and, and, and me and my wife were talking one day how, you know, that we looked at our peers. You know, what I mean, my wife's an accountant. I'm an accountant. And technically, you know, we we should have been making a lot of money, but we chose not to make money because we wanted somebody to always be at home with our children. And plus, we want to live in the city and do ministry. So that just that X'd out the, that trail. You know what I mean? So a lot of our friends wondered why we took that trail as opposed to the other one. I said, because this is the trail. This is the journey that God has called us to. Yes, I can take the other journey. I, I have the free will choice to run out here and, and work for some firm or do something like that and do the money. I said, but I'm choosing to 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 do ministry. I'm choosing to uh, work part time so that I can be around my children. I said, because that that's the call that God has placed on my life. It doesn't mean that I don't have as many toys as other people. I mean, I have some resources they have. It just has to mean that, you know what I mean? And I don't feel like I've missed out on anything in life. I, I live a good life. I'm, I'm content with how I'm living because I'm content with how I'm living because this is what God has called me to do. Yeah. I mean, I can I can look at other people and I can covet their lifestyle and I can covet their income you know what I mean? But that's what that's the journey they're on. You know what I mean? And and I don't question. I, I don't question. It's like I, when I learned how to play golf and they was teaching me how to play golf and which club to use. And you use certain clubs for certain situations. And you can use the, every, the same club for every situation if you want to. <laughs> You're not going to get the results that everybody else gets. You know what I mean? So if God chooses to only use me in certain situations, that's his choice. You know, I'm just going to sit in the bag and wait, you know what I mean? Till he grabbed me and, and, and use me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to complain that, that I don't get to start off the round. You know what I mean? You know, if I'm a putter and all I got to do is finish, I, I, I don't start, I don't drive. You know what I mean? So it's, it's what, what is, what lane you, a godly man recognizes the the journey God has him on. And, and as Paul said in his writings, I've learned to be content. Right. And that's a learning process. Oh, my goodness. It's a learning process. It's a lot of frustration in that, you know, especially in America where you can be anything you want to be and have anything you want to have. And you got to sometimes say no. And it's, it's it, you don't even know why you're saying no, because God ain't giving you a clear one. Why you saying no? You just said no. You know what I mean? And, and you look around. But you know, as you say, the difference between that godly man is going to understand that this is this is God's will. I mean, this is 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 his will. I'm I, because he's in connection with him. He's not frustrated with him, you know. And so we we need godly men. Our, these our young guys need to see how a godly man responds to conflict. How a godly man responds to 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 losing his job. How a godly man responds to 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 death in the family. You know, what I mean, it, it it needs to be seen because what happens is is if they're not taught how to respond, they'll respond in the way that the world says they should respond. And then what you have finding and Saying like in one context, you know, somebody runs out and gets mad and starts to fight. Another context, somebody goes and gets high on meth. Another kind, they don't know how to respect and respond because they don't have that living example. You know what I mean? And we need more godly men in our community. I mean, community period. I'm not just talking urban. I'm talking suburban, rural. 
I'm talking about everything, even in the pulpit. We need to see more godly men. You know, I want to come back and talk about trust after the break and the need for trust and how a godly man walks in trust. Uh, thank you for listening. This is a Spirit of the Lord uh, Church's radio broadcast, Isaiah 61. Uh, see you after the break. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Hi, this is Paul Ridgway. You know, and as a Christian, I love to laugh. We should be the most joyful people in the world, and we have a good reason to be laughing. Is one, we love life, we love the Lord, but also, you're going to love Clean Comedy Night. Come hear a great comedian, Amy Barnes. All you have to do is go to our website, am980themission.com, and you can log on and see all about our Clean Comedy Night. And by the way, tickets start at only $9.80, and you can laugh all the way to the bank about that. Clean Comedy Night, brought to you by Mathnasium. Hey, welcome back to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry, Spirit of the Lord Church. Uh, I, I, had to, I had to say that today was a day that uh, I just, I'm just excited. By the time you listen to this, uh, I'll be sitting in uh, Nassau, Bahamas, uh, getting ready to to, to go to a, a third world leadership conference, a conference I, I just love to attend. Uh, it just really motivates me, you know, uh, because, you know, leadership principles are leadership principles, no matter where they're taught and where they're done. But the thing I like most about this conference is it's, it's geared toward third world leaders. And, uh, and though I'm in America, which is considered first world nation, you know, where I minister is like a third world, has a third world mentality. So I get to come out of this with insight that helps me uh, take take the people that I'm called to minister to to another level. Because, you know, it's just, it just, it just a little clearer revelation and, and, and the application is just a little bit better for me. And so I'm excited about about, about being there in, in, the, in the week that I'll, I'll spend over there and People always get jealous when you say Bahamas and they go like, oh, man, you're going to be on the beach. And I'm like, I never make the beach. man. <laughs> it's a third world leadership conference. If it was a first world leadership conference, I would be on the beach because they would only meet like two hours. But no, these cats meet <laughs> from eight o'clock in the morning till one thirty in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon. Then we come back at six thirty and we stay till eleven o'clock at night because it's third world. And you know what I mean? And, and they don't mind. Uh, sitting there preaching, talking, dancing, jumping, singing, doing whatever it is, you know, to the glory of God, and uh, and and I love it because I'm 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 a third world worshiper trapped in a first world nation. That's what I call myself. So uh, it, you know that that's my excitement today. 
but in and it's good for me because I get to be around a lot of godly men and women, and I just get to see uh, what God is doing around the world in different nations, and uh, and and how He's impacting those nations. And I want to talk to you about trust. You know, a, a, a godly man and trust, right? You know, God trusted uh, Adam with His creation to name His creation to do all those things. He put him in there. And what God does is God trusts us with a level of ministry and an assignment. I mean, I was 27 years old, you know, been saved for about three years, you know, desperate, wanting to wanting to get married. You know, you know how that goes, you know, living that single life. And, uh, you know, everybody in the church married sermons are for married people. Uh, <laughs> look, kids running around, you know, everything like that. And I remember asking God, like, oh, God, man, you know, when's it coming? Right. And and uh, and and I remember the Lord just, you know, just in, in, in my quiet time, devotions, I'm no clear voice. But just to read the scripture, I realized that that when it would come, I had to be ready and I had to start living my life like a married man. Right. So I said it must be coming. Right. So it's, I'm 27. Now, let me just cut to the end. I didn't get married to 33. So it's like, so six years, <laughs> but for 27, I was all anxious. And I said, like, I wanted to know what my purpose was. And, and, uh, and the Lord revealed to me that, that he would use me to raise up the next generation of evangelists. Right. And so, uh, from then on, I just got to, to work the guys I work with, the, the girls I work with, you know, I would make sure I'm always looking for that evangelist and, and uh, and 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 they're out there, and I and I, I'm happy, and, and more are coming, and you know. But you know, at first I thought it would just be my children, but then I realized that because of the level of fatherlessness in our society, I have a lot of children. <laughs> I have a lot of children. I have a lot of children that I've had to adopt as a uh, as as my own. You know what I mean? That that I'm a father to. You know what I mean? That you know, and uh, and and. And it's good in some ways, but it's sad in other ways. You know what I mean? It's good that my kids have all these uncles and aunts that they look to, but it's sad in another way that, that all, all these kids are running around here without, you know, that have to depend on their limited relationship with me for their role as father. And they don't have that, that permanent relationship of having a, a, a godly dad to lean on. You know, it, it just, it, it, it hurts me. And it makes me tear up that the that God trusted these men with these children and they they left them. They abandoned them. You know what I mean? Whatever way. You know, I've been in homes where dad, mom and dad been married 80 years. You know what I mean? But really, dad wasn't really there. You know what I mean? He was always gone or he's in the yard or watching ESPN all the time. You know, so there's never no impact. There's no there's no sharing. There's no there's no leadership. There's no there's no example. You know, what I mean, with 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 the assignment that God had given him to to raise up these children, they abandoned. God trusted them with this assignment and they didn't come through. You know, Adam, Adam was trusted with 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 working the garden and taking care of the garden. And, and he did that to a point. Right. He did it to a point. And then when he a bit of the fruit he had to leave the garden so he couldn't he couldn't handle that assignment anymore he couldn't he couldn't he, he was there he was gone and so what we have to understand that 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 a, that a godly man understands his assignment he understands his role and and, and i have it, you know and we can't be leaving because the nurturing of our future leaders the nurturing of our politicians the nurturing of everything that we that we look at it begins at home 
It begins at home. And, and that godly man has to set the tone that the word of God as he models his life and lives his life and bows his life to the word of God. It sets an example for his children that they, too, also need to bow their life to the word of God. When that doesn't happen, when we get slack in that notion and that thing, things start going astray and, 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 and trust can't be kept because they don't even know what trust is. They don't know what commitment is because they never seen it. You know what I mean? I know I had never seen it. The only I learned trust and commitment from the gang life. That's where I learned trust and commitment from. You know what I mean? I didn't learn it from my dad watching him uh, serve the Lord and do anything like that. Or, or my mom serving the Lord. I learned it on the street. You know what I mean? Being true to those that were backing me up and supporting me and, and bringing it in there. And, and, and that's why our communities need godly men and women. Because if not, we'll grow up to be crooked businessmen, crooked politicians, not understanding trust, not understanding that that what we do, our work we do, we do it as unto the Lord, not unto profit and not unto anything else. Right. So we need godly men. I'm going to come back to you next week and we're going to wrap this subject up. And what did God give man? He gave man a helpmate. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, a godly man and his helpmate. But until then, you have a blessed week. Because I'm sure going to have one in the Bahamas. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 